Hi, this is Kelly Maroney from Night of the Comet, and you're listening to Scream 101. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101 Podcast. I'm Brennan Klein. And I'm Shannon Chalakian. And today we have a very special treat for you. It's part. It's our second week of our Scream 101 anniversary celebration. Last week we watched Night of the Comet and this week... We actually get to talk to our favorite character from Night of the Comet, uh, Kelly Maroney, who did the intro for this episode. So surpri- all surprises there. Yeah. But she was wonderful and wise and amazing and so interesting and I'm so excited to relay this wonderful interview with all of you. Yeah, and real quick, just because we have normal things that we do, That's right. real fast 10-word reviews, then we'll get straight into the interview. Okay. Um, do you have any, Shannon? Um, we watched Hello, My Name is Doris together, so I'll try okay. to pull something together right now. Um, kind of creepy, um, but nice to see older women represented. Yay. That's great. That was a nice song. Thank you. And for me, Hello, My Name is Doris is... Deeply generic, but a cute online stalker fable. And then <laughs> absurd slash anthropophagus 2, better described by its alternate French title. Horrible. <laughs> and nightmares in a damaged brain. How's this tedious film so notorious? Oh, yeah, the British. Anyway, without any... It was a video nasty, and they oh, hated okay. it, but it's not good at all. Um, without well, further ado, without further without ado... Without further ado... We present to you... Our interview with Kelly, Kelly Maroney. Maroney. We tried to rhyme the last part. It didn't work. No, but enjoy. En- enjoy. All right, let's get started. We, we don't want to take too much of your time. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with us. Sure, sure. Thank you. All right. Now, our, our first line, it's kind of like a, a common theme that we have in our podcast. We pick our favorite line of dialogue. So we just wanted to know if you have a favorite line that you say in Night of the Comet. Well, the thing that I always write on pictures is that the most requested line is, Daddy would have gotten us Uzis. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I like to write, too, is it, it's not a line, but it's a variation on the line, which is, the burden of civilization isn't as bitchin' as we thought it would be. <laughs> I like that one. But Catherine and I were thinking, the last time we did a show... Uh, we thought let's let's pick shorter quotes. <laughs> We're writing all over the picture, right? <laughs> I mean, she's got one of the submachine gun is practically you know the what is it the Mach Ten submachine gun is practically designed for housewives that takes up the whole picture. Yeah, that that's like a novel. So we we threw that out in favor of the stores are open because it's shorter. Now we got to do one for me too. But I, I have a very important question. Okay, I'll get my serious face on. Okay. There are some really intensely colorful and wonderful outfits that you wear in this movie. I know. Um, did they seem like normal outfits at the time, like normal fashions, or did they seem over the top in 1984? Uh, those colors were present in 1984. Yes, they were. Wow. And many people thought nothing of wearing them. I personally was a little bit more conservative. And John Mudo had the, his concept, that his, he was the artistic director, he had, his concept was... I want Samantha. Everything else is kind of like the world is over. It's kind of muted shades. It's, you know, like Catherine is always in, you know, um, 
neutral shades and stuff like that. But when Sam comes along, she's life. And so she's got to be sticking out. She's got to be bright colors. Well, I didn't really understand that when I first got there. So um, we're picking out our clothes and everything and the, um, with the wardrobe um, designer. And I'm thinking, why are they dressing me like a clown? Kathy was cool. Why do I have to wear this loud garish stuff? And I didn't really know, but, you know, as I started to play the part, it was natural to have those kind of bright colors on. So I forgot all about it, oh, honestly. Really? And and I think it looks great, too, because, uh, you know, I am kind of, in one way, I'm kind of the comic relief. And I, I am the clueless one, you know, I, I'm kind of the, you know, the comedy of it. And it just makes sense. He was absolutely right. But, yes, to answer your question, those colors did very much exist in 84. Awesome. Well, how important being, being as he had said, the life in this post-apocalypse world. Um, this next question is, was it difficult to balance being scared and being funny, being the, uh, the comic relief? Well, we, we had that issue. One of the producers, um, the producers differed on, on the style of the movie. And so, I mean, it was all satire. But at the same time, when we got on the set, we had to, and the script was hilarious, it read much funnier than it actually played. Because <laughs> when, you got, when you got onto the set, you had to play the reality of also what was going on. Some of the lines actually that were funny, no matter how hard I tried to still make them funny, they just weren't. Like, uh, for example, um, when the guy's got a gun to my head, I mean, that reads very funny. He's got a gun to my head, and I said, what do you want? You want us to pay for this stuff or what? <laughs> okay, but it's not funny when there's a gun to your head. Right. And th- there was no way I could make that funny. So it, it, that was so sometimes that we would shoot one that was pretty funny, and then... And then we would say, okay, shoot one that, shoot. like, we only had two takes in the first place, but we do one that was more, um, oh, this is a scary movie, and one that was more comedically. But, you know, it all kind of, and it, it just started to play itself, you know? I mean, the comedy really comes out of the, out of the extreme situation, not because we're comedians and we're trying to be funny. Right. It comes because, my God, I mean, in, in the worst possible scenarios human beings actually do find the gallows humor yeah we really do and and so that's i mean that's something i think audiences could relate to is the worst possible thing happens and people start cracking jokes mm-hmm. that's it's our true. way of coping and and i think that that's very human absolutely and you said that um you only did two takes is that common for the entire film you just did two takes well yeah that's a typical low budget shoot is you know, being, starting out on daytime television was great because you could never stop tape. You only got one take. Um, you know, and a dire, unless something else happened. But, you know, even no matter what happened, you couldn't stop. So when we got out here and started doing, we were perfect for the independent low-budget scene in the 80s because they'd say, okay, one for picture, you know, one for safety, meaning in case something went wrong, like the lights were wrong or, you know, um, one for safety meant just to cover ourselves in case mm-hmm. the first one didn't turn out. That we makes thought, sense. God, there's two chances to do this. That's incredible. <laughs> so luxurious. Yeah, two chances. Wow, we're in heaven. But uh, that's how, when you run that fast, it, it's very important to have everybody ready to go so you don't have to, you know, so there aren't so many outtakes and so, so many startovers. That's what eats up so much time. So that, that we were perfect for that. We didn't hold anybody up. That that's great. So I actually I have a question that kind of builds off of that. In in that kind of environment when you're working very fast, how did you find the emotional center in your character? Because you have some very, very 
good emotional scenes, like especially the one on the hood of the car where you're talking about your friends. Yeah, it's my favorite scene, probably. It almost got cut out. Really? Why? Because um, some of the executives were like, okay, we don't understand this movie. Why is she now crying? <laughs> I mean, that's stupid. People thought it was stupid until they did a screening of the producer, Wayne Crawford, who recently passed away, said, just leave it in there. So they did test screenings of it. Just leave it in there and see what happens. And sure enough, Tom Everhart goes, because he was one of the ones that thought it was stupid. The, the director? Oh, yeah. I, he said, all of a sudden I heard sniffling. And I realized, oh, my God, they're with her. They're not, they're not, they don't think this is stupid. They're right there with her. Leave it. Because that was another scene that was supposed to be funny. It's like, well, this was really a lucky break for her. Well, how did you reach that place then where you're kind of in the middle of both of those tones? Preparation. It's all about preparation. Um, you go deeply into yourself. And you, and you show up to that set prepared to go. And then you just, after, after you, um, so you really, really feel at home in that scene. And then you have to trust. I mean, we were working so fast and I was, the, the way to keep open like that is to act all the time. So if you're busy shooting something, you are open. You don't have a chance to shut yourself back down. And it, that's what's wonderful about working all the time and about working fast. You don't have a chance to get, let your brain get in there and screw up your performance. Because you're going fast and your your heart is open and you're in the flow and it plays how it's supposed to play and you don't have to stress over. It. I mean, we shot that in one take. I didn't even I didn't plan to turn away and cry like that. It just happened. Wow, I never thought about it like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, but if you if you don't, that's why it's so hard. Cause actors don't, you know, it's not like the piano where you can sit down and play for a couple hours every day. Actors have to do the same thing. Um, you have to act all the time, and you have to figure out ways to do that. Otherwise, you do. You close up. It's just like runners have to run all the time. And one thing, I didn't realize that myself, but when I was a kid, I worked on one thing or another all the time. And it just didn't occur to me that the reason everything was flowing for me was because I was warmed up all the time. And, and so I had to go back and go, oh, yeah, okay. It's a little, it's a little bit challenging because... Nobody wants to be in class for the rest of their lives, and nobody wants to, you know, but you have to do stuff like that. You have to somehow stay open. As big fans of 80s horror, we also know that you appeared in Chopping Mall, which is another one of our favorite movies. Yes. We actually, we have a question submitted by one of our listeners. His name is Tristan, and he asks, if you could resurrect one character from Chopping Mall who dies in the movie, who would it be and why? Well, I mean, as, as a person who doesn't like to see people die, everyone... But then there wouldn't be a movie. I loved all the characters, and you don't want to see any of them die, but that's the story, you know? That's Actually, that leads into another question. If you view death as unpleasant like that, how do you kind of come over that or get over that when you're actually shooting a movie like that? It's really really odd because if you come in and you've got a small part, like, okay, you're going to work two days and you're going to come in and have a scene and then the murderer is going to hit you over the forehead with an axe, but first he's going to chase you around. you got two days to play that. You're going to play it like a real human being would do that, which is they would freak right out and scream and, and, and lose their mind, and then they die, which is what's really going to happen to you if something like that happens. But if you're the final girl, or the leader you know, of the movie, as we used to call it, and they call it the final girl, um, you've got to pace yourself. You can't be freaking out every like from frame one because you got no place to go. So... We end up, you know, being these heroes. And also, I think that 
that is kind of human in a way when things are so unbel- we we do kind of um suit up and show up and and we have our reaction later people do so that's kind of how we we go about pacing the the fear because it's got to build it can't you can't just shoot your wad in the first first time somebody dies you know because where do you got to go but uh, so we, we just try to go that everybody has this in them and i think it's what people relate to is when something terrible happens you do go into survival mode it's how problem solving how do i get out of this and then you then you fall apart later I love how you're uh, humanizing acting. I mean, obviously acting is a human thing, but I, I love how you're kind of breaking it down for, for us and for our listeners. I really appreciate that. Oh, sure. Well, I just realized giving these interviews, is, that's kind of what people want to know is how'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's how we did it. I have a question. You went on to work with uh, director Jim Wynorski quite a bit after Chopping Mall. Like, what was your first impression of him, and how did that partnership come together? Oh, my God. He's such a character. But we did get along well, and it was one of the only people he didn't really scream at too much. <laughs> and um, he would he would just, he would say, I'd get a call, and he'd go, are you busy? Um, I need I need somebody to come down and play a part for, like, um, play a couple of scenes with Tracy Lords or whatever. And I'd go, sure, because I was always trying to make my rent, you know? And so I had this kind of where's Waldo thing happening. <laughs> With Winorski pictures, because I, I will show up, but I'll show up like for a second, and that's why. That's what would happen. Oh, okay, that, that's great. I think, oh, thank God, I made the rent. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, as an actor, you gotta but you gotta it, take everything it, you can. And anybody, if they if you meet somebody that you you can count on, and you, you're in a bind, you always will go to somebody that you know you can count on. You know, that's why a lot of directors work with the same actors over and over and over again. Is they, you know, it's not going to be a surprise when they get on set. You, you know that they're going to deliver for you. So it's it's always a compliment when a director keeps calling you. Yeah, and you certainly prove that you can handle it. A lot of people have a hard time getting along with Winorski. So sure he appreciates people that understand where he's coming from or or can can work with where, where, he, where he's coming from. <laughs> All right, so now we'll move out of Chopping Mall and, and go into kind of our are everything questions. So, okay. um, were you a fan of horror movies before you started acting in them? I really loved watching the Saturday morning. Um, they always played horror movies when I was growing up. And so I would watch them. And I always liked, Lee Davis was my favorite actress. I used to watch like, these old movies with my mom all the time. And I really liked it when they went creepy, you know? And, um, but I didn't really think in terms of, I want to be a horror actress. Um, I just I wanted to be like a, the biggest star I possibly could when I was a kid, and my idea of that doing that was be Betty Davis. Oh yeah. So first, the first thing I after after uh, conservatory school, of course, the first thing I got was a soap opera. <laughs> so I did. Um, that's but you know what? That's the best training I ever had, and I got to play a bad girl. Ooh. And so I had to learn how to, you can't you can't judge the characters that you're playing. So first I got play a bad girl and then the first movie I got I was a psychotic killer and it wasn't until I got out to Hollywood that I started to be the cheerleader much to my surprise I'm like, what are they talking about the cheerleader and I was a bad first I was the bad seed and then I was a murderer I was a little hitchhiker that killed a guy so I wouldn't say that I actually oh I want to be in a horror movie it was I wanted to be just I wanted to be an actress you did enjoy certain horror movies just in your life? Oh, yeah. I love to be scared. Oh, my gosh. Some movies, I would, you know, I would go see, and they're just so exciting. 
and I would, um, it's, it's a, it's a visceral experience. It's, you feel it with your whole body and it, it, you're really alive. And I, I always loved horror movies. I just didn't have the design of I'm going to be a, in horror movies. It, it never crossed my mind. Yeah, As an that actor makes sense. Too, you're going to be in whatever you get. You know, the funniest question actors ever get is, well, how did you, how did you choose that part? You don't <laughs> choose that part. Somebody gives it to you and you're grateful to get it. You figure out how to play it. You know, I mean, it's not until you're Brad Pitt or Meryl Streep that you get to choose your roles. Most of us, we're cast and we, we make the best of a career out of what we get. I'm sure that if I, if, if instead I was popular in period dramas, I would have, you know, gone more towards that genre. Are, are there any current horror movies that you like that you see in theaters still, or are you kind of cooled down on it? Uh, I like The Witch very much, and I just, uh, Clover, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, yeah, that one was fun. Which is a weird hybrid of, yeah, and I'm dying to see Conjure, The Conjuring 2, dying to see that one. You should check it out. I won't tell you anything, but I liked it a lot. Okay, good. Um, you know, I always have high hopes that it's going to be, you know, like scare the pants off you when I see it, and it's very hard to make a movie that's that scary. I mean, especially now we're so used to, we're so jaded that, you know, trying to get a good scare out of us is, you know, isn't the worst thing was when you go to see a horror movie and you're sitting there with somebody who's going, well, that's not real. Right. <laughs> yeah, I saw that coming. And they totally put a damper and destroy your experience with the movie. <laughs> I don't watch movies with those people. If they start being a know-it-all about it, I know how they did that. Forget it. I'm not ever watching a movie with them again. Yeah, you're like, I'm an actress. I know this, too. Let me enjoy this. Right. Let me enjoy this. Suspend your disbelief so you can enjoy yourself here. Exactly. All about that suspension of disbelief. <laughs> so um, what was the weirdest fan encounter you've ever had? The weirdest fan encounter? I've had some funny things said to me. I once had a guy come up at an autograph signing and say, you know that scene in Night of the Comet where you take off your, your clothes and the zombie comes up behind you? He goes, that one summer... That VHS H tape was um, completely worn through. I spent the whole summer in the bathroom. Oh no! Says this to me. I'm sitting there trying to keep, a, you know, a, a neutral expression on my face. No, this guy has no idea what he just said. He's happy as a clam. He doesn't even realize what he said. Oh my god! I just, what, what can you do? You know. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I said, what would you like me to, to sign? <laughs> Good. Very professional. <laughs> well, what could you say? Uh. What can you say? Usually fans are really nice and super respectful, and, and um, I really haven't had any. I'm fortunate, and I'm going to actually knock wood here. I haven't gotten in a lot of creepy stuff. That's good. I did, uh, many years ago, I was stalked. I was stalked three times in a row. Wow. And it was horrible. How did you handle that? How did you take care of it? Well, one time, one of my stalkers went to the DA, and um, I, st I started to, uh, I mean, I realized it was part of things. You know, I read um, the book of, uh, the, the Gift of Fear, which is a, a great book that they give all to all people who are stalked, and you just kind of live through it, and you just try to not let it damage you, but I will say that I disappeared for a little bit. You know, I just was not very happy to be out in public, because you know, there, I mean, there were some shootings. People were killing people. You know, fan, there was fan murders going on here mm -hmm. quite regularly for a while, um, a period of time. Wow, and, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's happened to a couple of people. And, you know, we just kind of dealt with it. I mean, what do you do? You, you're safe, you know. Uh, you make yourself safe. You 
learn how to do not, not stupid things. You you watch, you know. And then, um, I mean, the, the biggest thing on the gift of fear of the book um, is that if somebody wants to find you, they will. That's a dark book. Well, they, they will. They'll find you. So, and then you know how how you how you deal with that in your life and how you you know precautions you take and, and all these other things. It's a wonderful book. And anybody who's had any experience with um, anything weird like that would really benefit from it. Well, you're here now and you got through it and we're really grateful yeah, for that. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Um, I think that that happens mostly when you're a young person and and, and I think now that I'm a grown woman and I'm, not, I'm you know, I don't know what would happen maybe if I got a series or something. It would be weird. I know Barbara Streisand's got more stalkers. Oh, yeah. And she yeah, I mean, so, I don't know, um, it's just, it's part of the business, you know, it's just like part of the business that every time you say something stupid, there's a really good chance that you're going to be mocked for it. <laughs> no, people get get to go around and say stupid stuff all the time and they get away with it, but you know, I don't know how people deal with it. I mean, when we were coming, you know, when we were starting up our careers, there was no such thing as TMZ, but if there, if there had been, I shudder to think. You know, all the, all the dumb stuff that people did in the 80s. We're just lucky that there weren't people jumping out of bushes at us all the time. So, back to the movie. So, what would you like to talk about? Anyway. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to go that dark. You know, feel free to cut that out. That's oh, no, that's fine. We, that's actually, it's a really inspiring story, and thank you for sharing it with us. We appreciate that. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And, you know, the gift of experiencing stuff like this is the the only... Thing that makes it important is if you can pass it along to someone else and it helps somebody else absolutely it's really though absolutely well, that's and, wonderful and speaking of passing things along and helping other people do you have any advice for young actors who are trying to make it in the business right now the business is changing i mean it's morphing every day it's different the best thing i can think of to do is the advice that i try to follow myself and so do my friends it's just um be open to get yourself out there um keep keep your your craft like I was saying at the beginning of the interview you've got to do this every day you know constantly work on your craft constantly work on self-acceptance a, a big stumbling block for me and for a lot of other actors is you got to keep confidence in yourself so part of your work is to the things that self-sabotage or the things that um, all the little voices that say you're not good enough you can't do this quite literally you have to work on those and get rid of them to the best of your ability and that's a lifetime job but that's not going to help you none of that's going to help you so you have to know that that little voice that starts saying that is it, it's not true and to just keep going do everything you can do to work on your craft um be open to different projects don't do anything that you feel bad about doing because there's no reason to do that don't if somebody asks you to do something that you don't want to do do not do it the most important thing you can do is stay, is stay true to yourself. But um, and also write your own material. This is one thing that came occurred to us really late. But the way the business has changed now, you're always better off if you're doing your own thing. If you can write your own thing, if you can put it on YouTube, if you can create ways for yourself to keep working, so that you're not sitting around waiting to be for somebody to, to discover you. Because the studios are in flux. Television is in flux. You just never know. People are going on YouTube now to discover people. You just never know. It's it's, it's the wild, wild west out here. So just <laughs> figure out what you want to do and, and do it. And don't wait for other people to tell you what to do. Just, just tell you it's okay. Just do it. 
Right on. Well, great, thank you. And that that dedication is really, really inspiring. I'm feeling it. Yeah, me too. Oh, thanks. Good. So what's next for Kelly Maroney? Well, I have two things coming up, and I just sincerely hope that they get their money because um, that's, I mean, that's something that we're facing now is I was, I, I was doing a pilot, and after the first day of shooting, the guy at Hulu who greenlit it got fired, and that was the end of that pilot. Oh, so it always helps, you know, you got to roll with things. You can't get upset about stuff and take stuff personally and let everything rock your boat because a big part of this business is endurance and letting stuff roll off your back. So now I don't say anything until it's shot, it's in the can, it's got an air date, checks in the bank, it is cashed. Because a lot of things that are happening, they just kind of, they don't quite happen, you know, or they happen five years after you think they're going to happen. So I I don't have anything I could tell you about that's really for sure going to air. The minute I do, I post it on all my social media. Great. And we will be sure to share that. Oh, thanks. No problem. Kelly Maroney, actress Kelly Maroney. It's usually Kelly Maroney everywhere. Instagram, Twitter. Um, YouTube is Loves Nerds. Loves loves Nerds? Yeah, but you can find me if you just put my name in, but my actual handle is Loves Nerds. What, what, what do you do on YouTube? Oh, I just post at somebody. I'm not a big YouTube person, although I do have, I have plans to become a big YouTube person. Um, but right now it's just mostly there's old clips of fans. Fans will send me clips of, that they enjoy and stuff. And also I do I do some host work. So I was a corporate host for SMTCL TV. It was kind of like a Katie Couric thing. So that's up there. Um, different things that I just like personally, like my weird sense of humor and animal stuff. And um, I recently became a magician. What? How did you do <laughs> that? My fiance is a, a magician at the Magic Castle and writes for their big magazine, Genie. So if I was going to run around with him all the time, I had to really become a magician. So I did. It was hard, too. They didn't let me in like, right away at all. I had to audition three times. That's awesome. Well, these guys have been doing it since they're like five years old. And I'm sure they thought, oh, this, you know, she thinks because she's an actress, because the genres do kind of, kind of blend, you know. Um, that she can just walk in here and become a magician. I certainly did not think that. I practiced till I mean, I cried. I, you know, <laughs> if your hands could get bloody from card work, mine did. <laughs> I, I always, oh my God, the practice that, that you have to do is, is insane. It, it's, you're like a concert pianist. You're always, always practicing that stuff. So I did it. It took me three times. They turned me down twice. The third time, they finally, I said, I'm not going away. <laughs> and by then, by the time you get down, turned down three times, you're actually pretty good, you know? I mean, you're actually, it actually serves you because you figure out what, what, why you didn't pass and then and then you fix it. You know, this and that, it's just like anything else that comes back to what I was saying in the first place. Practice every day. That's the only way to get good at anything and the only way to keep yourself warmed up. Yeah, and, and congratulations. And, I mean, it reminded me when I was, when I was learning the magic because it really it brought it home to me in a whole different level. Cause I that's where I got. I hadn't really thought of that as like acting as like piano playing the piano. I thought, geez, you know what? It takes this much to get good. And then I remembered when I was a kid and I took piano lessons, and it came home to me in a whole different way. You got to do this every day if you want to get good at it. You have to, and you want to stay good at it. You got to do it every day. Yeah. Um. I have a question about your magic. Uh-huh. Do you have a signature trick, like a favorite trick that you like to do? I'm still working on it. Um, 
I first thought I, I would like Bizarre um, Magic because it's got the horror theme to it. But I haven't found anything that I super loved um, in terms of having a signature trick. I'm still working on that, but and I'm, I'm not sure that I really want to perform, perform, but I may. I may. We're doing um, some other things around that, so... Okay. Um, that I will, I will for sure spill as soon as I can. Please. I'll post it everywhere as soon as I can. Oh, yeah, we'll have to check in with you again. Something, something that we're working on. It's mostly just really cool. I don't know if you've ever been to the Magic Castle here in California, but... Uh, no, but it, it's not too far away from where we are. We should check yeah. it out. It's very cool. You have to be invited by a member, so you have to call me and, and tell me that you want to come, and I will let you, I will get you in. Oh, that thank would you. be the best day of my life. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so actually another question about your magic. So uh-huh. so being an actress, being in, in performance art, do you feel like um, that performance background kind of helped you with that aspect of your magic? It helps so much because a lot of people go into magic, love it because it's technical, um, but they don't really know. I mean, ultimately, magic is to entertain, you know, and it's wonderful if you're really hot, a hot shot at it, but if you're not being entertaining, then it's still, you know, who cares? So it really helped me in terms of creating a story around my magic and making it mean something, making a, a story out of it. And that's what all really good magicians here at the castle do, is they they have it's a it's a whole thing. It's a story, and it's some oh guys, there's some that are so touching; they'll bring tears to your eyes. Um, and the major thing, see, the whole thing about performance is it's you, you can't plan those. You you spend your life chasing those magic times when you're in the flow, and everybody understands what you're saying, and you just there's that connected feeling like. Oh my God! There's so much truth here. We're all one. You just—that's what you do. You just chase it your whole life. And magic is the same thing. You look for that moment where you—you—you you, you can see on the audience's face that you've—you've you've tapped that sense of wonder that anything can happen. Look what we can all do. Anything can happen. That's what—that's what the same reason that you want to be an actor. It's all the same thing. I'm every single artistic forms it's all at at its root it's look what we can do i used to love magic as a kid and now i feel like i'm hurtling right back into it i'm so excited to go go see the magic castle i have i had such an advantage i because because my fiance was a a magician over there um he hasn't really performed but he's he's more um he does their interviews and he writes for their magazine he's been a magician since he was nine Every uh, the most famous magicians in the world come to the Magic Castle, so I'm absorbing all this information from the cream of the crop. I mean, it's it's insane how fortunate I am. In fact, one of the reasons I went for this was I thought I accidentally got you know dropped here in the mecca of magic. That can't be an accident, and, and I'd be a fool not to not to you know experience take every advantage of the fact that I'm sitting here talking to a world-renowned magician. And he's treating me with respect, and he's showing me stuff. That's one thing about magicians that you don't see in other art forms, though, is the best magician in the whole world will come and sit down and show you an effect and help you learn it if you're if you're another magician. They don't share secrets with, we call them muggles. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. yeah, you don't share secrets with muggles, but if you're another magician, they're so generous. 
Wow. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, they just sit, they sit up to all hours in the night, and they call it sessioning, and they just practice and show each other, and they also, they rip each other to shreds, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, That's um, so familial. You know, and also, if you're, you see this often on the, on the boards, it's like, if you're going to say, oh, I don't know, El Paso, um, you can say, uh, in the magician network, you can say, I'm going to El Paso, does anyone know where the magic shops are? Does anyone know anyone there? And they'll all pop in and go to this shop and talk to my friend, this guy, and there's a, as an actress, we don't go, hey, I'm coming into Baltimore, um, where do, is there any acting shops or <laughs> any other act? It doesn't happen, you know, it's a little bit more, but these guys are just, and it's a little bit of a sausage fest, but there are a lot huh. of women magicians now, but it's traditionally. That's what I was just going to ask, is um, at the Magic Castle and, and in this field, how do you feel being a woman, you know? Well, I don't have, I'm, I'm not in the trenches because I haven't had, you know, I'm not like trying to go to Vegas and perform there or anything right. like that. I think it's pretty rough. I mean, there's, I just posted recently what it's really like to be a female magician, and I interviewed a few people um we'll, we'll have to share that on our page yeah um it's um i always hate when i always hate when it has to come down to oh it's harder for a woman i guess i just wish it wasn't so you know i wish we didn't have to have that conversation anymore right well we're um, working towards it yeah yeah we are um it's 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 always been a boys club you know but there are women and they they're very very good and they have made their living suzanne the magician is a magician from minnesota she has a she will bring you to tears with her magic um we've got misty lee over there who builds herself as the um the the female seance seance expert so there's two people that do seances it's for fun they, they don't claim to be real seances and and she does you know she performs all over the place it is definitely possible to do it. I don't know for I don't know why it's been so male oriented. I really don't. Well, hopefully we'll see a change in that in the upcoming years. <laughs> yes. Maybe you can well, lead the movement. Seeing, we are seeing it. So the school that comes out there's there's a lot more women and there's a lot more women auditioning to be magicians. And um, you know, there's there's I think I think with um, America's Got Talent too, when they bring the magicians on, people get to see really good magic. So a lot of times people think of magic and they haven't seen really good magic. So, you know, it, it can it, it, it has the red-headed stepchild um, reputation because there's a lot of not great magic out there, but when you see really good stuff, like um, um, Tommy and Emily, who just did the, I don't know if you watch America's Got Talent, but they'll blow your mind with their mind-reading thing. You cannot tell how they're doing that. So really, really good magic is super inspiring. Great. Well, it, but awesome. it all comes down to acting. It really does. If, if you can, you got to entertain people. It's, it's all about the emotional connection. Excellent. Well, I definitely never thought that we would come on this on this interview and learn so much about magic. So this is a I welcome. Know, right? no, it was, <laughs> I never thought I was going to tell you so much about magic. It's, it's such a great surprise, and, and we're so thankful. So with all this, we actually come down to, to a question that we ask all of our interviewees, okay. which is, um, what's your favorite scary movie? It's so hard to pick. The first thing I thought of was Nosferatu. But, Ooh. I mean, yeah. Um, then the second thing I thought of was Halloween. These are, I mean, God, I love them all so much. It's really hard to pick one. Um, That's good. We so, love to hear that. Oh, my gosh. Um, this is really hard. I guess I remember Halloween scared the pants off me. 
and said, oh, I, I, I'm going to stick with those two. However, there's so many more. I know I'm going to hang up and think, oh, my God, what did I say? You know, but those are the two that came to mind, so I'm going to go with my first instinct. Yeah, of course. That's wonderful. Halloween's one of my favorites as well and uh, one of our fan favorites. And if you if you think of any more, feel free to shoot us a line, and we'll we'll post that you've, you've said those things as well. Well, I absolutely will. I mean, we could sit here for two hours while I, you know, came up with titles because there's so many. Oh, yeah. You know, that's what my fiancé and I, we get our work done really fast because we watch at least one. It's usually a horror, a horror movie, if not two. So, and our favorite thing is horror. So sometimes we'll watch it, something else, but it's typically horror. He sounds like a keeper. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. And he was doing, he was thrilled. He goes, how many times do you need a woman who loves horror? <laughs> there's a lot of women that love horror don't oh, yeah. kid yourself oh yeah but it's great it, yeah it would be I don't think it would work to have somebody goes oh those horror movies I hate them I spend so much of my life in horror that it wouldn't work you know uh, yeah and we get that reaction all the time. Oh, I hate scary movies or, you know, et cetera. Like you haven't seen the right ones. Yeah, and they don't know the genre. And that's what we're here for, to to educate. So Good. Because, you know, horror is making a huge resurgence. Horror is never going to die. Horror movies make money when nothing else will. Horror movies are, are things that you can do where you don't need studio approval and $10 million. And filmmakers are always going to go for that because they're going to be allowed to do their thing. You know, and there's a quite a bit more freedom in doing horror too, because they tend to let you let you go, let you do what you want to do. You don't find that in many other genres. So we are super lucky to have this passion, so much freedom in it. I think that's subconsciously why a lot of us know that there's so much freedom in it. It's, you know, the fear it makes you feel very, very alive, and it lets out a lot of anxiety, the anxiety that we have of our time for everybody. It's just so freeing, and you feel completely alive, and there's freedom in it because. It's not so regulated. Yeah, and it, it's so nice to talk to an actor or actress who actually has respect for the genre, which is it's always really nice to hear. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, I don't experience that because everybody I know loves horror, but just because of my life. You know? <laughs> I, I don't I, I'll meet some like muggles of horror who don't, <laughs> who don't get it, but the people I know basically love it. So, I mean, it's just where my life worked out so I don't have to come across people who don't like it thank god because I don't know what I would do yeah yeah and um we don't want to take any more of your time but okay well I just want to keep on keeping on you guys are doing a, a great job and I love what you're doing and encourage you to keep it up thank yeah, you thank you so much have a really nice day thank you for talking to us about magic and muggles and horror and it's been really really fun yeah okay you too alright All right. bye have a nice day yeah, and uh, that was us talking to Kelly Maroney. Uh, I'd like to thank her again for talking to us for so long about magic. It was so fun. So wonderful, so wise. Uh, learned so much about acting as well. You know, acting is always something that kind of mystifies me because they seem as, you know, it's... Um, so foreign. So foreign, and also our culture, our celebrity culture in America is so based off of it. So it's nice to hear kind of talking people talking about the craft. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, let's wrap up quick because it is very warm in here. Um, our clue section next week we will be watching the descent because i'm working very hard to show shannon the scariest movies i can come up with before she leaves for seattle uh. wah, wah. so um that's what we're starting with and here's the clue for episode two weeks from now we can't leave sarah michelle Gellar out of the conversation when we're discussing badass valley girls she wasn't in our next film but she was in its remake 
And if you have a guess for that clue, if you want to talk about our awesome interview with Kelly Maroney, you can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod, via Facebook at Scream101Podcast, via email at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five stars for great magician recommendations. And we'll be playing you out with the girls just want to have fun sound alike song from Night of the Comet. Yes! All right, and that was us talking to. All right, sorry, I was that loud. And here, do you want this mic? No. Uh, I think I turned it off with my fingers. Hello. Okay, there we go. It's pretty loud. Okay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> This just in. Kelly Maroney has already sent us a follow-up email. The uh, headline of the email says, Ah! And the body of the email says that she would like to add The Exorcist and The Omen to a list of her favorite scary movies. Thanks for listening, everybody. I've been Brennan Klein, and you've been awesome. Bye. Bye, folks. Bye.